It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. The way the game went, uh, did you have a feeling going into the fourth quarter that you would, you would win? Eight hundred eight two three eight two five five. That is our number. Good morning. I am Ron Wilson, your personal yard boy, talking about yarding on this run for the roses day. Cinco de Mayo yesterday. Run for the roses today. Tomorrow will be Lovage Day. Joe Stricker. It will be Lovage Day. It'll be Lovage Day. What's Lovage Day? Well, it's the day after when you have Cinco de Mayo and the Kentucky Derby back to back. By the time, by the way, it's time for the Cup of Joe. Mr. Joe Strack, our executive producer. Find out what's going on in his land, on his landscape. And, of course, our website, ryanwilsononline.com. Now back to our conversation. What's Lovage Day? Lovage, which you're familiar with, Lovage. Yes. The year of Lovage is that, you know, if you, on Friday, you were enjoying your mojito. Right. Mojitos made out of mojito mint. Yeah. Right? And then today you'll be enjoying your mint juleps. Correct. Watching the race made out of Kentucky Colonel Spearmint. Yeah. I would think by tomorrow you'll be looking for maybe a couple Bloody Marys to kind of clear things up. <laughs> and when Lovage gets old enough and has a hollow stem, it's a perfect straw for your Bloody Mary. Oh, so I'm just go. kind of anticipating what you may be needing tomorrow morning. Mm, I might be. I might be. Because I know you're quite of... the partier when it comes to Cinco de Mayo, Run for the Roses. I mean, those are two days, and when they're back-to-back, I can't imagine what Joe Strucker would be like on Sunday. Speaking of running, it's not just Run for the Roses weekend. It's... Flying pig flying running pig, pig weekend today. in our area it's in Cincinnati. Weekend, yeah. yeah, in our area in Cincinnati, we have a marathon, the Flying Pig Marathon, and it's this weekend, and it's a whole weekend of festivities. Uh, yesterday, I did the mile. Did you? Yep. And today, I'm doing the 5K. Oh, you and, are? Uh, yep. Oh, cool. And then uh, tomorrow, I'm handing out water. So you're doing the uh, Flying Pig all weekend. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. Good. Yep. It'll be fun. I was in Columbus last week. They had the Columbus Marathon going on, and uh, it got canceled because of the lightning. It was raining like crazy, which they'll still yeah, run I know. rain. But then the lightning came in, and then they said, that's it. They're pulling the plug. So they didn't mm. get to run it. Well, it's, it was chilly last night uh, doing the mile, so definitely got to, to, to dress for it. And what happened to our summer? So how's that it feel running a mile last, last night and then having to run four miles today? That's nah, nothing. Piece of cake, right? It's a piece, piece of cake. Of cake. All right. Not really running. I'm walking it. No. Yeah. Fast pace. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> do you wear the little Lycra outfits? No, I don't. Okay. I don't do that. Just curious. I mean, I have running gear when I actually run, but... What's running um, gear? You know, you got the, your special shorts and your special socks. What are special shorts? They're not the tight things, are they? Well, I, I don't wear... Well, I wear regular shorts, but yeah. I wear the stu- running stuff underneath. Underneath them. Right. That's how I used to bike. Yeah. I couldn't just wear those. And then I, I, wear, I wear the special running socks, uh, you know, the tight Lycra stuff. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, if it's, a hot, if it's a hot day, then you wear the, you know, the Lycra shirt. But mm-hmm. it's not hot today. No. Cool and, and damp it wasn't hot morning. yesterday. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, good so. for you. I forgot, I forgot all about that. Yeah, it's all right. I mean, it's only been in the news all week, so. Right. But I haven't really watched much of the news. <laughs> well. As a matter of fact, I, 
I had to do some homework just to figure out who's running the Derby today. I know. It, well, it had gotten no press. You no, would think really. that. What's going on, Lexington? And Louisville, actually. And Louisville? And Lexington. We blame Lexington, too. Yeah. But, yeah. So I didn't get whole, much press on that. Plus, I, I haven't been watching the news, so. So. Busy time of the year, you know. Well, and, yeah. Well, and, and, and you're too busy building your arc anyway. I think Ron, Ron Roth has told me he had 17 inches of rain in his house at Chevy so far this year. My goodness. I felt like I had that last Saturday. That's crazy. Oh, yeah. Last Saturday was unbelievable. I mean, it's, I was in Columbus, which you know, yeah. and uh, driving back down after the shows were over up there, the, both the fields on both sides of the expressway were just lakes. Oh, my goodness. It had really come down. So, Whew. Oh, well. So how does that affect everything going on? Well, it kind of delays getting things planted yeah. in the ground. So. Yeah. But you know what? You get two or three days of sun and wind. Wind's very, very important. It dries the top out. You're ready. You're back into it again. Yeah, but it, just, it definitely puts a damper on mowing, though. Yes, it does. Slows oh, you down a little yeah, bit. Yeah, only was able to get the front done. The back is the back was a lake, and uh, now it's a jungle. Set that mower up higher. Uh, you never did. You never went the electric route, right? No, no. I wanted to. Yeah, but. Did you get a new never, mower, but you went never, gas? No, we just oh. it's the same old mower. Okay, just never pulled the pulled the trigger on it. Mm-hmm. So, it's all right. Hey, it still works. Still hey, in, in my house, there's three people that vote. Yeah, and I got outvoted. Okay, so does your dad got the old two votes? Yeah, he does. Actually, oh uh, no, he, he carries one vote. Mom carries. Mom has two or three. Mom votes. has two or three. Yeah. Yeah. Mom's always did. Yeah, she out. Sure. It's like when I have the Easter candy poll, jelly beans equals five. One sure. one jelly bean equals five. Does your mom come and watch you run? No. No? Nope. Hmm. No. I see you're cheering for you, a little sign holding up there. Yeah. Come on, Joey. I wish she would, but, you know, is what it is. Yeah. And is what it is is your website, which is rocking and rolling again. At ronwilsononline.com. And a ton of uh, of stuff this week, especially disease and bug issues. Buggy Joe has seen a ton of disease and bug issues going on right now in your garden. Early, but a lot of them going on. I mean, what? I mean, the rose slugs are really hitting it hard. Yep. Um, I don't even know what pine needle scale is. What the heck's that? Well, it's just, it's pretty common, and it's uh, the thing about that is that you you go after the crawlers, but the the timing is very important. And that article tells you when the crawlers are available, and when you actually go after the scale. All almost all of them are different, and how you control them are different. So it's a very very important article. If you by chance look at your pines and see those little white specks on the needles and you have pine scale, go to that, click to uh, that article and read about it because it uh, helps you out as far as how to get those under control. Most definitely. And all that stuff is on your website at rodwillsonline.com. Oak leaves are holy. Mm-hmm. That's huge. Yep. And uh, what's this stuff that kind of looks like? I, like I knew you'd like that one. Like animal excrement. It's slimy. It's slimy, like, uh, you know, shiny, slimy, gooey, icky. Nasty stuff. Like yeah, it looks like something from an alien yeah. world. If you were running and you stepped on it, you'd slip and fall, one of those deals. Yeah. Nostoc balls. Huh. Kind of a really unusual thing. And, you know, it, it crops up like in driveways where it stays wet on the gravel or along the edge or these little flat areas. where, And also you see this bubbly, dark black green stuff come up. It's called Nostoc. Hmm. And they're the Nostoc balls. And uh, it's very common. But the, nobody ever knows what it is. So check on that and see what now you'll know what Nostock balls are. Yeah, if you if you want to see what it looks like, go to ronwilsonline.com and check out that alien mutant thing that came from a Pretty wow, cool, huh? Wow. This is that's the wrong shot to show before us. What? The, the, oh, yeah. Yeah. 
So um, Rita has dual recipes this week. She is just smoking. And by the way, sad moment uh, for Rita yeah. and uh, anybody that's listening to show that knows Rita. Uh, her sister, Judy, passed away this week. Oh. So our condolences go out to Rita Definitely and her family. Definitely our condolences go out to Rita and her family. And uh, dealing with that. But, uh, yeah, sad to hear that. Well, she has got two recipes this week. And the first one is gelatin terrine. I don't even know what that is. Does it look good? It looks like a jello mold. With looks like a jello mold thing. Doesn't have cat food in it. No. I don't know about that one. Every time I see something like that, I think of Christmas vacation. Oh, yeah. With the cat food in it. But it looks, it, you know, it's got berries and. Right. Yeah. I, she, I would eat it, I guess. She, well, she'd have to. Well, if Rita made it, yeah. Well, sure. So she'd have to bring some in. And uh, the other thing is uh, to celebrate uh, Cinco yesterday and the Derby today uh, is using real mint in your juleps and margaritas. So she's got that for you to use your mojitas and your uh, Colonel Sanders, or yeah, Kentucky Colonel Sanders, yeah. Kentucky Colonel uh, mints in your uh, mint juleps. Uh, the photo galleries of the week, uh, the first one is these weird-looking shrubs. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about this thing. The, the one that's the, the cover photo looks like something out of a horror movie. But the, the other key one is the berries, which is right next to it. And if you're looking for something to put in your pie other than cherry or apple, mm-hmm. um, check some of these berries out. You probably didn't know that they go in pies. That's gooseberry, isn't it? Gooseberry, yeah, right on the, there on the front. Cover, yeah. Very cool. Very cool. What'd you pick for your plant of the week? Plants of the week. The Joe Strecker plan of the week is the milkweed. Milkweed. Butterfly milkweed. As in perennial of the year? Perennial of the year. Cool. Why'd you pick that? Because it looks cool. Great orange flower. <laughs> nice foliage. Yeah, it's beautiful. And it helps the monarchs. Beautiful orange, and you're supposed to plant for pollinators anyway. Yeah. So More than the why monarchs. Not? They all go after it. Why not? Now, did, did you put the genus species on there? Did not. Okay. I was going to did wait not. for you to uh, announce to uh, pronounce that for us. No, I did not. Asculus. Asculus. Tuberosa. Tuberosa. See? I knew that from memory. You got it. I got that but from memory. But that's the perennial of the year this year, rightfully so, to get folks to plant the pollinators out there. Got to do it. Then what was my choice? Your choice was figs. 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 What is up with a fig tree? I didn't know you could do figs. Do you eat figs? I have only in Newton's. Only in fig newtons? Yeah, I've never had like fresh, a fig. I love fresh figs. I've been growing them in containers for years. I usually do. You the, have? Uh, yeah, I've been doing the black mission forever. I've never had one of your figs. I'm sorry, but you. I used to send you pictures of it. Way you back used to send when. me pictures. Speaking of pictures, I I, you don't send I, I forgot flowers. I forgot to send you that picture last week. Yeah, you did of that mystery plant. Yeah, but anyway, uh, figs. There's a hardy variety called Chicago Hardy, good for zone six. If it dies back over the winter, it does flower and fruit on new wood, so it comes right back up and flowers and fruits for you. If it doesn't die back, you get two crops. And then, of course, uh, grain like containers. But the but see the second one I put in there, yeah, Little Miss Figgy, I like a the name. dwarf one. So it'll, and 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 her leaves are really deeply uh, uh, lobed, so it's a really cool looking plant. Only gets about four feet high and wide. Um, again, great producer, but excellent for growing in containers. But remember, Byron Martin from Logies has been on our show many times talking about you can grow any fig in any climate and overwinter it in the ground by using his overwintering process. And there's a link on there for you to go to that and learn more about that as well. That's pretty cool. Yes, it is. A guest today? Oh, we have all kinds of guests. As a matter of fact, we have uh, Monica from the Wild Birds Unlimited going to talk about the uh, nesting season. Yeah. 
We got uh, Diane Blazik. Remember Diane from the AAS, sure. All American Selections. She's uh, giving uh, going to be at some trial gardens. We're going to talk to her. We're going to talk to the fine folks from Soil Moist. Yeah. It's a soil moist time of the year with your containers. Gary Sullivan with Home Improvement. And, of course, Buggy Joe Boggs with the Buggy Joe Boggs Report. And, of course, Joe Strecker with the Cup of Joe. Yes, and go over to Facebook, join the garden party. Yes, definitely. Please do Facebook. that. Facebook.com backslash in the garden with Ron Wilson. And that's where the uh, garden party is going on live right now for right you now. to chime in. Yes. And uh, i got to get going because that 5K starts here in about two hours. So i got to get downtown. Best of luck to you. Thank you very much. Good seeing you. Nice to see you. Good seeing Actually, you. Actually, I'm not Good because Why? you're in Columbus. Well, I was waiting for you to say that. <laughs> Actually, I'm just kind of looking at the microphone. Are you? Imagining Ron right in front of me. Yeah, right. I appreciate that. Sure. Joe Strecker, our executive producer. Of course, he's responsible for everything you see at ronwilsononline.com. If you like what you see, Joe had everything to do with it. If you don't like what you see. Not my fault. It's not his fault. Uh, this week, call Aaron and let Aaron know that you don't like what you see. 800-823-8255, here in the garden with Ron Wilson. Green thumb or not, Ron can help at 1-800-823-TALK. This is In the Garden with Ron Wilson. Welcome back. You're in the garden with Ron Wilson. Again, that toll-free number, 800-823-8255. Talking about gardening, May the 6th. Can you believe that? Moving right on through the um, end of the month of May. Of course, next weekend, Mother's Day weekend. Mother's Day weekend. Now, what does that mean? Well, of course, it means it's a good weekend to get out and get um, something from your local garden center, the hanging basket, the Japanese maple, the potted rose, whatever it may be. But for a lot of folks, Mother's Day weekend is the uh, unofficial, official, unofficial, official kickoff for the gardening season. And, uh, you know, depending on when your frost-free date is, that kind of got tossed out the window because it was whenever Mother's Day came around. And uh, the last three or four years, actually Mother's Day kind of got kicked out the window, too, as far as the beginning of the uh, gardening season. And it's Mother's Day weekend, and you still go and get mom something for the uh, for the garden or whatever it may be. But uh, it is coming up next weekend. So think about something that moms, I mean, they, they love stuff from the garden or for the garden. So keep that in mind. But point being this is that, you know, in most cases, a lot of folks have uh, kind of kicked out and ready to go as far as gardening. And in our area this week, we had a situation, and we're in it right now, that moved in where we've had a ton of rainfall. And we had soil temperatures that were getting up into the low 60s, looking good. As a matter of fact, last week, planting, uh, t- you know, some tomatoes and peppers and early annuals, looking very good. But this cold front has moved through, is, is moving through, and there's an opportunity of having some frost here the next couple mornings. Not a good thing. Now, when it comes to the frost, and again, we talk about frost-free dates, et cetera, et cetera, and your chances of getting frost after your frost-free date is about 50% or less. But nevertheless, um, 
when we talk about frost, that's, you know, the air temperatures dropping down low enough to cause problems to get freeze and freeze the plants, et cetera, et cetera. But what we're experiencing right now in our area, and you may be experiencing it there as well, is not only did we get a drop in temperatures and things started to cool back down, but we also got the rainfall, and so the ground is staying wet. And when you start putting the two together, where it's cold, wet soil, boy, that is, that's a combination right there that a lot of tender annuals do not like. And, you know, that's one of the chances you take. Again, we always seem to think think about the air temperatures. And, you know, for the last, I don't know, three or four years or whatever it may be, you know me, I've been pushing this uh, soil temperature thing and making sure you know where the soil temperatures are when you're trying to go out and plant things. And it's very important. But my point was, has always been, it's not always about the air temperatures. It's about both of them combined together, creating the right conditions for planting certain plants. And so when we get involved with cooler weather and wet feet at the same time, uh, can be some issues with some plants. Now, what can you do about it at this stage? Now, I'm not telling you to go out and dig things up. I wouldn't do that. Although, I had some folks this week uh, say, you know, I planted caladiums, in your, and, and we're in zone six. Planted caladiums last week. I know they really like 70-degree temperatures or so, uh, or higher soil temperatures, 65, 70 degrees. Would you suggest I dig those back up, put them in the pots, and wait this thing out? I did suggest that they do that with caladiums. But for everything else, I, at this stage, I wouldn't do that. But I would do what I could to try to hold the heat around them um, you know, uh, and and try to get the soil to stay a little bit drier because the combination of being cold and wet, not a good thing. As a matter of fact, when you go in local greenhouses, and you may experience it if you're out shopping this weekend, where the temperatures are colder and they've got all the annuals in there and all the tomatoes and peppers and things like that, you may find that they're running those, what we call running them dry. So we'll keep them on the drier side because of that reason. So it gets cold, we water less in the greenhouses. Starts to warm up, we water more. So the two together can be an issue. So keep an eye on that. Um, this is a good weekend if you haven't started planting yet to get out at least get what you're looking for. Maybe you're looking for some specific plants, tomatoes or peppers, whatever it may be. Um, and then maybe ride it out for a few more days and then get back out there and start to plant. So do keep that in mind as far as uh, getting out this weekend. But a great weekend to get your local independent garden centers and uh, check out what's going on and get start buying some of those annuals and be ready to plant depending on the zone that you're in. Let's take a quick break. We come back. We'll continue on. Phone lines are open for you. It's 800-823-8255. Here in the garden, Ron Wilson. found the place to talk 55 krc the talk station hey the chrome conservatory is having their plant sale today it's a uh, various uh, buys on bay lilies hostas perennials garden items as well sponsored by the greatest Day hostas society for more information go to the website at gcphs.org but it's 10 3 in the tent at the plant uh, sale at the chrome conservatory Good morning. Welcome back. You're in the garden with Ron Wilson. Again, that toll-free number, 800-823-8255. 
Talking about yarding on this uh, good, uh, the, is it, let's see, was the 29th? Yeah, it's the first Saturday in May. I had to think back the last week what the date was. And, of course, uh, as usual, Mother Nature throwing a little curveball at us in our area this week, throwing in uh, some excessive rainfalls, really wet, and then cold temperatures, bringing it down. It uh, looks like it's into the 30s uh, the next couple mornings. Uh, we'll see what happens there. But, again, it's uh, Mother Nature reminding us that, uh, you know, she's in total charge of what's going on. And, of course, we always look at a frost-free date, as I was saying earlier. You can never count on that. It's um, You can always count on it uh, getting colder afterwards. So that's one of the things, you know, it's the risk that you take when we plant tender annuals like tomatoes and peppers and things that don't like cooler weather. That's a risk that you take when you plant earlier in the season. And I know with the warming trends that we have seen, um, of course, availability in your local garden centers much earlier in the season, the whole nine yards, it really makes us itchy to get out and start planting. But this is the risk that you do take. But, again, if you did, you did. And we go out and we, uh, we we work with it, and you try to cover and protect and do the best that you can and get through it. And if, by chance, they don't make it in the next 10 days or two weeks and you can tell that, you get back out to garden centers and uh, you pick up a few more plants and uh, put them in. If you get through the spring season without a cold snap coming through, guess what? You're always ahead. So it's kind of a – it's one of those little – I think maybe sometimes uh, – Spring gardeners are maybe gamblers a little bit. You know, we toss the dice and see how early we can get some of these plants out. Now, trees and shrubs, perennials, roses, ornamental grasses, things like that, not an issue. Um, the issue would be if you have a lot of tender growth like on Japanese maple, that is one woody plant that I will try to cover up and protect should the temperatures really drop down. Uh, that seems to be a plant that, you know, once the new growth comes out on those Japanese maples, if it gets hit hard with a freeze, light frost is one thing, but if it gets hard, hit hard with a freeze, that is a plant that really has a hard time recovering from that. It can, and also see the tops be taken out on those as well, but it just takes a long time and really does a number. So, you know, you look at local garden centers, and when they get uh, mornings where it's going to get, uh, you know, close to a chance of a frost or even a freeze, of course, they'll move a lot of things in. We'll cover a lot of things over with burlap and sheets and things like that. But those Japanese maples typically make it back into the greenhouse or back into the garages or whatever it may be uh, and bring them back out the next day because just don't want to take a chance. Um, but otherwise, uh, you know, it's the tender things that you kind of you, you take care of at this stage. Do remember, as we go through the rest of the spring season and maybe faced with frost issues down the road, don't forget that, you know, if by chance you – have some tender annuals planted or Japanese paper, whatever, and you don't think it's going to frost, and you get up in the morning and you look outside, and guess what? There's a nice white layer of frost on the grass or the roofs across the street on the houses, and, and you look at it and go, oh, my gosh, now what do I do? You can grab the garden hose and go outside and mist off the tender plants and mist them off, and actually you're, what you're doing is kind of getting rid of that frost on the top thawing them back out with the the temperature of the water, have that off of there before the sun gets, gets really up into the air. You know, And if it's just breaking in the horizon, you still have time, but gets up in the air and really starts warming things back up again. Get that frost off of there. You really do minimize and sometimes uh, have no damage whatsoever from light frost. So that's one thing you can go back out and take care of. If by chance you have tomato cages around your plants with, uh, you know, if you cage your plants, which most folks do, and you cage them right off the bat, plant and cage, that cage can also become your best friend in times like this where you can go out and throw a garbage bag over the top 
or wrap it with bubble wrap or, you know, whatever it may be, but use it as a miniature greenhouse and actually, you know, create a warm situation inside that tomato cage. And with excessive rainfall, maybe keep a little bit of the rain off of the plant as well. So they can become a real good friend for you. So for you early planters, if you don't cage your tomatoes, you should. Uh, that way you've got those to go and cover, bring back in, and, and you know, take it back off the next day. And you can even use the black plastic bags. doesn't matter uh, because we're typically covering them over the night. And if it's uh, still cold during the next day, the black bag on over the top would be fine for a day or so. Not going to be an issue. But use those tomato cages to your benefit as well, or you know, even if you put you know, two or three stakes around the plant and then drape the uh, plastic bag over the top would be great. Just remember, you don't want plastic touching your plants. Um, sheets, material, fabric, grow covers, things like that, not an issue. But if you have plastic on there, it actually conducts that cold right through the plastic, right onto the leaf, and you'll still get the uh, leaf burn on the inside. So you have to create that greenhouse effect to make sure you get them covered nicely. And if it's dry, which it isn't here, we've had the excessive rainfall, um, it is good actually to water before you get the cold snap. So if there's good moisture in the ground uh, for both the plant, it's able to sustain, uh, 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 stand up against colder temperatures. And believe it or not, you know the light moisture in the soil sometimes helps to keep the heat around the base of the plant as well. In the situation that we're in right now, which I was talking about earlier, where it gets cold and stays excessively wet, that can be a whole different story. So, you know, again, time will tell. We'll find out. Mother Nature will let us know as we go along. And and you've got plenty of time if by chance you lose some of these plants to replant. But keep going. You're doing fine. This is just something we deal with every year. And like I say, I think a bunch, I look at gardeners sometimes myself, you know, any of us that are out there, um, you're always uh, kind of throwing the dice when you start planting a little bit early. But again, trees, shrubs, evergreens, perennials, uh, roses, things like that, not an issue. The only time I look at those would be if by chance um, they really are pushing the smaller plants, to, uh, the, close to the ground that you could actually cover, pushing a lot of tender foliage. Um, if you bought them and they would have been growing in a greenhouse and not kept cool, so they're kind of hardened off and, 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 and you know basically growing like the plants are outside, a little bit more tender. You may want to protect those a little bit. Uh, you know, if it starts to drop down into the 30s, give them a little frost protection as well. But otherwise, you should be good to go. So land-wise, you should be out there and uh, doing your thing. Um, the one thing I would forewarn you against, if by chance you've had rainfall like we've had this past week and the ground is just soaking wet, stay off of it. Bottom line is just stay off. Somebody emailed me yesterday and said, um, I'd like to get out this weekend. I know it's rained a lot this week. The, the soil is wet. Do I need to wait and let that dry out before I remulch on top, or will I keep it too wet? Um, that's a good idea. That's why I don't mulch till later in the spring season because I like to let the soil be able to dry out quicker. But the but the big issue here is yes, if you can hold up, that would be great. But the big issue would be walking on saturated soils. And when you walk on saturated soils, you're doing what? You're compacting it, and that's the last thing you want to do. And whether it be in the landscape beds, in the turf, in the vegetable garden, whatever it may be, you want to stay off of it when it's soaking wet so that you don't compact the soils. So the issue would be there. I, I, my, my answer was, could you go back and, and mulch by Sunday? Sure. But on the same token, I would definitely check the soil moisture to see if it's soggy or sinks or moves when I step onto the soil. And if it does, I'd probably back off and give it a few more days before you go out and put the mulch down. 
typically I don't mulch. I look at spring mulching as actually a summer mulching, that by the time we get into late May and early June, we're starting to get into some pretty warm temperatures. That's when a lot of the planting is finished and done. Then you come back in, put your pre-emergent down, get your mulch down or mulch and then pre-emerge and mulch, be mulching for the summer season. Um, but a lot of folks like to get out, obviously, earlier on, freshen up the landscape mulch. And that's fine. It works. Um, but I usually am a little bit later as far as doing that just because of, I like the soil temperatures to warm up, doing some planting. Uh, if it stays wet, helps it dry out a little bit quicker, um, et cetera, et cetera. But can be done again uh, either way. But that's that's what I do. All right, we'll take a quick break. We come back. We have a lot of guests for us that we're going to work with today. Coming up in our next hour. Uh, we're going to talk with Monica Brubaker from uh, Wild Birds Unlimited. She's going to talk to us about uh, um, breeding and reproduction of birds in the springtime. Kind of an interesting uh, story, some things that, uh, that uh, I had never thought about. Then we're going to talk to Scott Weisler from the folks at Soil Moist. Uh, you know Soil Moist, been talking about it for year, years. If you're getting your container gardening together, um, Soil Moist, definitely one of the products you want to add to your uh, to your soil, and we'll tell you why. And then coming up after that, Diane Blazik will be with us this morning from the All-American Selections. She's out and giving some talks and touring around the country with the new AAS Trial Gardens, and she's going to tell us about those. And we can actually go and meet Diane and uh, hear what she has to say about the uh, new selections that are coming along. All coming up here in the garden with Ron Wilson. Landscaping made easier with your personal yard boy. He's in the garden, and he's Ron Wilson. Welcome back. You're in the garden with Ron Wilson. Again, that's toll free number 800-823-8255. Don't forget our Facebook uh, page, In the Garden with Ron Wilson. Our chat line, the garden party going on there this morning. Um, and I can always forget to remind everybody of that. Again, it's our Facebook page, In the Garden with Ron Wilson. And then you'll see the chat room going on there. Folks talking back and forth about uh, yarding from all around the country. So be sure and check that out. And by the way, if it sounds a little different, uh, we're out of town this week. We're uh, on a remote. We're up in Columbus, Ohio and having some technical difficulties. And so it looks like we may, we're, we're going to play this thing out, but may not have our guests. We're going to have to wait and see uh, how things play out as we go along here. But there are engineers and producers and all are working uh, feverishly to try to get us back up to speed here. And uh, so we'll not be able to take calls in, of course, uh, a guest as well. So we'll keep talking. i got lots of tips to share with you and uh, keep sharing things with you until we try to get this thing figured out. If not, you're stuck listening to me. Can you believe that for the whole, for the whole show this morning? So, but we'll we'll keep working on it, and hopefully by uh, we get into the next hour here, we'll get everything fixed. And they they're usually very very good at doing that, but uh, some serious problems this morning. So that's the deal. So that's why I sound a little different. And if we don't have our guests that I mentioned earlier, uh, we will get them back on sometime uh, in the near future. 
we were talking about early planting and early planting of the uh, vegetables and things like that that you got out now and are getting out now because it is the 6th of May. And, um, you know, the, the chances that you do take when the frost and the cold weather and, of course, wet feet, which can be really bad news. But again, it's one of those chances that we take. But here's the thing that I always bring up when we go through this is that, you know, when you're when you're when you're maybe you first buy a home or you you um, uh, just getting started in the gardening or whatever it may be, if you are just getting started, got the new home, whatever, think about think about raised beds, raised garden beds. Here is a time, here is a situation like this week where raised beds and container gardening really come in handy because raised beds. First of all, I think raised beds are the only way to go anymore. I just think that um, there's so many great benefits, and we could go on and on and on about the benefits of, of, of raised beds. And when I'm talking about raised beds, we're talking about obviously building walls and lifting the gardening beds up out of the soil, the original soil that's there. So you're actually gardening in the beds, the raised beds. It has walls around it. You lean in. The plants are up higher than the original soil level. You create the, the soil that's in those planter beds using topsoil, pine fines, organic matter, um, potting soil, a combination of all of the above. But, you know, it's, the, it's, uh, it's container gardening on steroids is what it boils down to. But what, contain, what raised beds can do for you is that, you know, again, you create the perfect soil mix. You control everything that's in there. And when you get into the spring season, with it being up out of the ground, it warms up quicker and dries out faster because you've got better soil there, good drainage, warms up quicker. So it really does help you get off to a little better start. And this is the thing I like about raised beds uh, and raised bed gardening. When you have those walls down those, the edges of the raised beds, you can take PVC pipe or metal pipe if you want and bend it and make hoops over the top of those, um, those raised beds. And those hoops can stay there all the time. And you put one about every six to eight feet. And they would stay there all the time. And then you use those hoops um, to use as a support for, in the early springtime, plastic. So if you created what? A miniature greenhouse in your raised bed. It's like the high tunnels. That's the big thing now for a lot of uh, produce growers. High tunnels. Unheated high hoop houses with plastic on the top. No heating. Only heat coming from uh, from the soil and, of course, the sun and the air temperatures heating up the inside, and they're vented so you can keep it at a certain temperature. But you can do that exact same thing in raised beds. So, I mean, you can do it in the ground as well, but with the raised beds, it's up off the ground. It's easy to put, like, rebar or something, holes in the in the walls, and then put that the, the bent pipe or the PVC over the top. Then you cover that with plastic in the springtime to get yourself off to an early start. And if by chance... Uh, we go into a situation like it is right now, you can keep the plastic on there and get the rainfall to go away from your raised beds, right? And it's warming up, right? And so now you've, cre- you've got this perfect environment. You can roll the sheets, the, the plastic back a little bit when it's raining, let it, Mother Nature uh, water it, and then roll it back over again so you keep it just at the right soil t- uh, moisture levels and temperature levels by venting. So, you know, you start to, it's, it's kind of like growing in a greenhouse, but it's growing outside as well. And it really, really does work. And, you know, you've got that. And then as you get into the season, 
as you're dealing with critters, which we all deal with critters out there, now you can take that plastic off once we get into the season and then create covers over the top using grow covers, which is uh, kind of looks like a cheesecloth, but it's much thinner, allows sunlight to come through. But it's a physical barrier to keep insects out and a lot of critters as well. So you can put that over the top, then you roll it up, harvest, roll it back down to keep everything out. That's a possibility for you. Um, if you want to keep it open, you can use netting or chicken wire and put that over the top. And then that keeps the is a physical barrier to keep squirrels and raccoons and deer and all those other critters out of your garden, but yet allow all the pollinators to fly through the rain, the winds, the whole nine yards because it's more open with the wire or netting. And now that, that but but yet on the same token keeps the critters away so you don't deal with those. And if you get real uh, creative, you can actually build those hoops so that you have like a lid that uh, the netting or the um, screen is attached to that you can actually open up like a door and harvest and do what you need to do or weed or whatever, and then put it back down again. So, you know, if you're really going to get into it, and I think folks are really starting to get into it more and more all the time, those raised beds are the way to go. Um, and it costs you a little bit in the beginning. There's no doubt about it. And you've got the labor involved to build these things. And when you do, remember, you can go as long as you want, as, as long as the property that you have, you can build them long, but only do them about four to five feet wide, six at the max. And the reason it's only four to five, six feet wide is so that you can reach in to the middle from the sides. Six feet, I think, works. Um, I've seen some at eight feet, but that starts to get a little bit wide and tough to get into the middle. But four to six feet uh, works perfectly, and again, nice, nice spacing. And you know, again, you can run them as long as you want, but keep them that same narrow width so it's easy to work from both sides. And usually, go down ten or fifteen, twenty feet, stop, start a new one, so you can cut, cut across as you're as you're gardening, depending on how big your garden is. But I'm telling you, that is something to take a look at. Remember the book that I had with Tara Nolan? She was on our show last year, Raised Bed Revolution. If you're thinking about raised beds, and if I've sparked a little interest in it this morning with you about maybe creating raised beds, get that book, Raised Bed Revolution. Uh, Tara Nolan is her name, Tara Nolan. Get that book and check it out. You'll think it's, I mean, it's absolutely gorgeous. All right, we'll take a quick break. We come back. We'll keep working on the technical difficulties here. Reminder, you're in the garden with Ron Wilson. Yourself gardener at 1 800 823 Talk. You're in the garden with Ron Wilson.
Our toll-free number here in the garden, same as it is every Saturday morning, 800-823-8255. Good morning. I am Ron Wilson, your personal yard boy. Talking about yardening, and we got the gremlins fixed. We're back on, uh, it was kind of, that's weird, doing the first hour by uh, telephone. Uh, but it works. Whatever it takes to get it done, right? It works. So uh, back on track now, and we will have all of our guests on this morning to uh, talk about all the special things we wanted to talk about. And uh, as a matter of fact, let's kick it off with our first special guest this morning. You've heard her on our show before. Great uh, information when it comes to talking about all that wildlife and birds out there. Monica Brubaker from Wild Birds Unlimited. Good morning. Good morning, Ron. Good to have you on the show. Hey, spring has sprung. I yep. guess that that means uh, it's mating season and nesting season for all the birds out there? You bet. You bet. It's a cold, wet start this morning for sure. But um, the birds are keeping warm. They're puffing the air between their body and their feathers to stay a little bit warmer there. So that helps. Is it, and- isn't that why they, they, you know, when we talk about um, making sure you have water out for the birds over the winter time, not so much for them to drink, and they need that, yes. but so they can clean themselves, to, isn't that because to keep that puffed up like that? Yeah, well, to keep feathers healthy, you know, there's a lot of work that uh, birds go through to keep their feathers healthy, and they have to for insulation purposes. But also, you know, during this time of year, it's all about attracting the ladies. So it's preening and making sure that they're taking care and eating, you know, the high fat, high protein to to molt. Uh, Many birds go through a molting process to attract the ladies have you, have you noticed cardinals lately uh just the brilliant bright red oh my gosh yeah isn't it gorgeous it's just yeah. and you know that is a that's a mating um that's something they do to attract ladies is to uh brighten up um and and i always kid around and say it's only in nature that the males are more colorful than the females <laughs> but, um, and the answers you get and responses would be <laughs> That's true. Um, <laughs> there you go. No, males, um, you know, are often, uh, you know, they they are protecting their broods. They're protecting the female from predators, and so the more colorful they are, you know, the predators will go after them rather than the females um, and the babies. So mm-hmm. um, nature takes care of itself there. But um, yeah, have you noticed the singing in the morning? Oh yeah, that's oh. you know, it's, it's funny. Even even I get even with the rain out there, yeah. wake up in the morning and you still hear the still things yeah. doing doing their thing out there. They are, they are. They use um, you know song as a way to proclaim their territory. Um, you know, um, males mostly. You'll hear males mostly sing. Some females do, but it's very much so the males who are um, announcing their ter- territory and kind of saying, "Hey, this is mine." Mm-hmm. And it also signals health, you know. If they've got a nice, strong, you know, song, then the the female recognizes that as a healthy bird as well. Hey, did you you know we we, we talk on the show occasionally about the uh, invasive honeysuckle that's yes. growing everywhere and getting rid of it. Did I read somewhere, and, and, and I you may have too, where they said that um, one thing that's bad about that is that birds that uh, color up like cardinals, yes, that that if they eat a lot of those and it helps to make their their color brighter a lot of times the the less um healthy cardinals are also getting a darker color that that was you know it's a bad thing that's almost like faking it out you know what i'm saying right right yeah like you know it's a better it's the better males that have the better color it is but if they if, if they all have access to all this honeysuckle they all have a good color and so the stronger males don't necessarily stand out more than the weaker males 
Yeah, and that that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and they would have to, you know, then prove themselves, you know, suitable to the to the females through, you know, the whole you know, taking care of um, her in terms of predators. That's a big issue. So um, birds are always, you know, on the lookout for. Um, other birds that are going to come in and try to steal their nest and um, other animals, squirrels, raccoons, that kind of thing. Is so, it, are, yeah. are, are birds usually a male and a female? They stick together or are there multiple mates there? Well, typically during one season, they will. most birds stay together for the one season. Now, there are okay. birds, um, geese, eagles, um, they, you know, they will nest for life. However, if if you know if something happens to one of them, um, then they will find another mate. Um, but then there's you know, and they each play different roles. I mean, the hummingbird male, he comes in, and and his primary role there is to just attract the ladies and and to uh, mate, and then he's out of there. Tough so, life. Tough life. <laughs> you know, and he may be mating with several females throughout the season. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, most of our birds do stay together. Um, red-winged uh, red wing blackbirds, they have uh, multiple. The males will have multiple broods. Um, a lot of shorebirds, the females actually mate with many males and have many different nests going where the males then raise the, the babies. So it, it's, you know, different among species. It's just fascinating. Monica Brubaker, our special guest this morning, Wild Birds Unlimited, always has great information for us. And we're into the mating season and spring season, of course, and, and nesting and all. And, you know, is is there something that we can do um, when it comes to, when they, you know, nesting time that, you know, do we put out the yarn and the string and things like that? Or, or is it better just to let them do their own thing? No. No, it's always, you know, providing food is probably the number one thing, of course, you can do. Um the birds, yes, they're here because this is their natural habitat, and they can sustain based on what nature provides. But when you feed birds during nesting season, you are guaranteeing that they're having a more successful brood. And studies have shown they have one more baby um, per brood on average more when, they're, when they've got supplemental food. So really? that's a big one. Yeah, for sure. And, and hey... Bark butter bits are a great way of doing that. Got to throw that in because of the calcium. There's um, bark butter bits are loaded with calcium, and that's what something you know birds need for egg production, for just the overall health of the bird. So feeding is number one. But yeah, put out some you know yarn um, thread. It's always fun to you know try to then put colorful threads out and yarns, and then try you know later in the season see if you can find them in the trees. Um, it's always fun for kids to go on a hunt. Uh, I never thought about that. So you yeah. can kind of see if it's they took what you put out and stayed right. in your yard at the same time. Right. Yeah. 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 Put, a little, put a little note on some of them if you find this. <laughs> Please call. Yeah. Please call. Yeah. Call Monica Brubaker at. So yeah. so when we're talking about, so when, when we they, they start to do their nesting and all, how, how do they, I mean, they all have their own particular ways as far as putting a nest out there. Yes. yes. Whether it's a box, a nest box which fewer of our birds do. I mean, we've got the bluebird, we've got chickadees, wrens, tree swallows. Those are your typical nest box birds. Uh, Woodpeckers, though, are cavity nesters. They will use a box as well. Mm -hmm. Owls, owls will use a box. Um, They're cavity nesters, but you typically find them in trees. But, you know, cardinals, goldfinch, 
hummingbirds, they're all building their own nest out there, you know, in trees, Mm -hmm. looking for a safe place where, you know, they can hide from predators, where there's plenty of food. Um, But then do you ever notice killdeer? You know, killdeer, they're not, of course, backyard birds, but uh, killdeer, you know where they build their nests? Yeah, in the gravel. Yes, in the gravel. It just just cracks me up. Because at our nursery, I mean, they're everywhere. Right, right. and they're always, you know, when I take my grandsons out there or whatever, and people are like, "What's wrong with that bird?" Right? Because oh. it's act, you know, it acts like it's bro- is it's broken, wing broken wing. or whatever. Yes. You say, "No, it's a kill deer." And here's the deal: they're trying to yes. get you to get away from their nest, and it's like, exactly. "Well, where's the nest?" Right. So we'll start looking, but I guarantee you, you won't find it. But no. it's somewhere on the ground. Right, and it's and it's so well camouflaged the eggs. Um, so yeah, they're fascinating birds. And then you've got the you know Baltimore Oriole that'll build, you know, high in a tree, and they build. Um, a teardrop nest, a cup nest that hangs. It do we have those in our area? Oh, we do. We do. Okay. Yes. They're just now coming in. Hmm. Um, fascinating birds. They love um, oranges. Put out half an orange slice. Um, see if you can attract them um, because they're here. They're here for sure. Interesting. So so we can put out our strings and do all that to help them with the nests. Of course, landscaping to help with the birds, not yes. only with the berries and fruits and things like that that, that they can feed from. But giving them uh, trees and shrubs that they can nest in that they like as well uh, is very, very important. So, you know, as we talk about uh, landscaping for the pollinators, Mm -hmm. it's also good to landscape for the wildlife, especially the birds out there. And there's so many great uh, plants that are available for them uh, to be in your yard as well. And, again, the benefit, which you've talked about many times, Monica, is, you know, not only are they a great uh, entertainment to watch them moving around and and flittering through your yard, but Uh, think of the insects and the things that they're eating while they're there. Yes. For sure. I mean, that's, it's all, you know, working in uh, conjunction with Mother Nature there, and it's a great uh, – it, it, they're beautiful to watch, fun to watch, and, yeah. we got about a minute to go. Help me out here. So they, you were talking about the, the males and the females sometimes take turn with the eggs. Who, who does watch the eggs to, to sit on that nest all that time? Well, primarily the females do, but, you know, the females need a break, too, and the males will come in and allow the females to go out and eat. But uh, while the female is sitting on the nest, uh, the male is out there finding food um, and bringing food into the female. And, and that's true even once the, you know, the babies, the eggs hatch, um, the male is there, you know, helping to feed uh, both the young and the, the mother. So, um, you know, you, and then you often see uh, once, they, once they fledge and, you know, when a, when a nest of, of um, when a bird fledges from the nest, it is the same size as the adults, okay? So you wonder mm-hmm. why you don't see baby birds. They don't leave the nest until they are of adult size. And then by that time, um, the, the parents are still helping them feed. They're still helping them. The male often will feed. The woodpeckers are phenomenal in watching the males feed the baby woodpeckers. Um, mm-hmm. Lots of fun to watch. Lots of fun. Interesting. One last thing, bark butter. You brought it up earlier. You always have yeah. to bring up bark butter oh, uh, and, and bark <laughs> butter bits. Does, will all birds eat bark butter? You know what? There's 140 species on the list right now. So, Jeez. Yes. yes. The uh, majority of our backyard birds do eat bark butter. So if you want to find out more about bark butter and bark butter bits, uh, of course, go to Wild Birds Unlimited. Of course, uh, for our local listeners, uh, you have a couple locations. Yes. Uh, in Westchester at the Voice of America Center, and in Springboro next to Dorothy Lane Market. And a website? 
www.wbu.com slash Westchester or Springboro. Either one works. Monica Brubaker, always a pleasure. Great information. Thank you. We'll get back in touch as we go through the summer season. Thank you. Appreciate it. Take care. Bye-bye. Quick break. We come back. Phone lines open for you. 800-823-8255. Coming up at the bottom hour, Scott Weiser. We're going to talk about soil moist. Getting those containers going. He'll tell you why you need to use soil moist here in the garden with Ron Wilson. Got gardening questions? Ron has the answers at 1-800-823-TALK. You're in the garden with Ron Wilson. Welcome back here in the Garden with Ron Wilson. Again, that toll-free number, 800-823-8255. Talking about yardening. Coming up next, we're going to talk to Scott Weiser. We're going to talk to Scott about soil moisture. You've heard me talk about it many, many times. And then he's going to give us an update on where they are right now. And, of course, all the new products that the soil moist uh, comes up with every year. But there's still something I use in my containers on a regular basis. Does the job, and we'll tell you uh, a little bit more about it coming up in the ne- that next hour. Also, don't forget to go to our website. It's ronwilsononline.com. Lots of great information posted up there for you this week. Joe Boggs continues to hammer us with bugs and diseases, so be sure and check that out. Rita's recipes this week, and by the way, on a serious, very serious note, uh, Rita uh, lost her sister this week. One of her sisters uh, passed away. And uh, she's been had been ill for a little while, and uh, of course our prayers and condolences go out to Rita Heikenfeld and her family uh, for the loss of her sister. Um, uh, sad situation, but uh, got the email the other night that she had passed away. So uh, again, our prayers and condolences to uh, to Rita uh, and and her family. But she did. Uh, she's got her uh, recipe still posted on our website. It's ronwilsononline.com. And, of course, this weekend, yesterday being Cinco de Mayo, uh, drinking all the mojitos, uh, planting mojito mint. And then today, of course, with the running of the Kentucky Derby. And, of course, drinking all the mint juleps that they do in uh, Louisville, Kentucky. The Kentucky Colonel Spearmint. That's the one that they use for mint juleps. And, of course, you want to grow both of those as well. And you should be able to find those at your local independent garden centers. Do remember, when growing mint, and there are a lot of them, and they smell great, and they flavor great in the whole nine yards, but most of them are very invasive, very aggressive plants. So when you grow mint, make sure that it is enclosed in an area that it can't continue to spread unless you want it to, and it will, trust me, or do as I say, and that is mint was meant to be grown in containers, a huge container with mint growing in there. And about every three years or so, you're going to have to dig it out, separate it out because it'll just fill up with mint roots. And you'll have to it just crowd itself out. So you have to dig it out and to replant. But that pretty well keeps it contained and doesn't spread throughout your entire yard. But there's so many great selections of mint out there for you today. But, again, mojito mint for the mojitos. 
and of course, uh, uh, Kentucky Colonel Spearmint for the um, mint juleps. And recipes for both of those drinks, those cocktails, are on our website at ronwilsononline.com. Also, um, plant of the week this week, um, Joe Strecker. Um, had, you know, we, we each pick a plant, so you can go and see Joe's pick on there. And then, of course, you see my pick. My pick, I went the edible route this week. I went with figs. Figs, F-I-G-S. Now, why would I go with figs? Because I think figs are intriguing people more and more when you realize that you can grow a fig, any type of a fig, in just about any climate. Having Byron Martin on from Logies several years ago, Byron explaining to us how we overwinter those, uh, wrapping them with insulation and all, has proven that you can literally grow any type of fig in just about any zone. Now, if you don't want to go through the insulation part during the wintertime, there is Chicago Hardy, which is Hardy through Zone 6. Um, you can still protect it if you want to, but it's hardy through zone six and doing quite nicely. So keep that one in mind. That's again called Chicago Hardy. It's the hardiest of all that I know of so far through zone six. Can be grown again in the container or in the ground. If you want to grow in containers, which I've been doing forever, you can do any of the varieties because in the winter you bring it into an unheated garage or an unheated shed. It goes dormant. You bring it back out in the springtime and you're good to go. So you can grow any of them, Black Mission, this black, uh, the Spanish uh, flat fig, LSU, the Italian honey. You know, those are all ones that are hardy zones 8s, 9s, and 10s. Well, you can grow it in a zone 6 and 5, maybe even 4 if you protect it, or if you grow it in a container and bring it back inside over the winter. And, yes, you can actually bring some of these in the house if you have a really sunny area, and it'll grow indoors over the winter. There's a couple really dwarf ones that stay very small that are used a lot for indoor and outdoor figs. But nevertheless, get out to your local independent garden centers and find out. I bet you'll find figs there, and you can grow them in a pot or grow them in the ground if they're Chicago hardy, or you're willing to protect them over the wintertime. I've got a tip sheet on that. If you want to learn more about it, just email me. It's at ronwilsononline.com. Take a quick break. We come back. Scott Weiser, we're going to talk about soil moist here in the garden with Ron Wilson. your garden growing call ron now at 1-800-823-TALK you're listening to in the garden with ron wilson Welcome back. You're in the garden with Ron Wilson. Again, that toll-free number, 800-823-8255. And you know, I'm a big container gardener. Been doing it for an awfully long time. And one thing that's helped me out uh, for most all of my container gardening life is a product called Soil Moist. And you've heard me talk about it many, many times. I take it with me to all the garden talks everywhere I go. And as soon as I bring out my jar of Soil Moist, everybody starts shaking their head yes, because uh, they know the benefits as well. And they thank me for telling them about Soil Moist, but don't thank me. 
Thank this man. His name is Scott Weiser, and he is the man behind Soil Moist. Good morning, sir. Hi. Good morning, Ron. How are you? Good. To, uh, great. Good to have you on our show. Thank you. Do, Scott, tell me, first of all, where did Soil Moist ever I mean, where did this all come about? Well, we were part of a small publicly held company uh, back in the 80s. We actually held the patents for the soft contact lens, and uh, uh, our company wanted to do other things with it, so they saw that no other polymers for horticulture were made in the United States, so they took that same technology of soft contact lens and evolved into horticulture. So it's pretty much the same ingredients. Uh, what, what you put in your eyes is what we're putting in our soil to hold the water. No kidding. I didn't know that. So it's the oh, same... Sir. Same thing with the contacts. So then that, and then, and of course, then for folks that have never used soil moist, which I can't believe, but if they have not, these small polymers, how do they work? Well, it's a granular. It kind of looks like little uh, uh, smaller than uh, pieces of salt, uh, ice salt, mm-hmm. and uh, they expand. They hold about 200 times their weight. It's an amendment, so you mix it in, and they, they hold the water, they swell up. They look like little chunks of jello. And those roots will grow right into it and so forth. And as the area around it dries up, it's emitting moisture back to the roots. So it goes back and forth, giving up the water and taking it on as it rains. So that's what it does in the soil. It's not a topical. It's, it's a, an amendment by the root system. And when this first came out, from what I remember anyway, I, I thought I remembered first seeing it was used like in the landscape where they actually mixed it with the soil when they were planting trees and shrubs, especially if you were in areas that stayed exceptionally dry or maybe a way that you couldn't water quite as often and was used actually in the soil around landscaping, yes? Absolutely. We sell more on the landscape and grower side than we do on the retail consumer side. Uh, many of the cities, uh, highway departments, they use that because they can't get back to water. So that's mm-hmm. the main thing. It, it holds that water longer. It doesn't eliminate it, but it, it cuts that back for them. So, so when I'm planting and I go out there and I'm way far away from the house, I soak it in really well when I'm done planting. So not only do I soak the moisture and, and or soak the soil, but now I've soaked those, uh, those polymers as well. So it'll hold on to it a little bit longer. And then if you get rainfall, like you were saying earlier, it holds on to it as well. Now, is there a chance that it keeps it too wet? Because I've had that come up too. Like, well, if that's the case and it rains a lot, is it going to keep it too wet? Well, actually, the polymer will help overwatering as well. The, each little crystal can only hold X amount, which is about 200 times its weight. The rest will just sit there, and it won't go anywhere. So it'll absorb till it reaches its max, then it releases it back to the area as it dries up. So the only concern is that if folks put in too much, so follow the directions, because if you put too much, you could literally have like a mush or a volcano effect that it's going to push the plant or flower right out, because it'll keep expanding. Now, Scott, you know, I'm sure that everybody reads a label. You've probably never, ever heard stories about volcanoes of soil moist and potting soils. Well, <laughs> every year you hear of quite a few, yes. And, you know, I, I have one, and I've told my story many times, and I'm not going to tell it today, but it's true. And the first time you introduced me to soil moist... And I'll just very briefly, I remember I did not read that label. You gave me that jar of that stuff, and I did not read it. And I went, and I did that, and I came back later, and I had piles, volcanoes of soil moist. And so I learned that more was not better when it comes to putting soil moist in the potting soil. There you go. Because one ounce will absorb a full gallon of water. So the... it does go quite a ways. Yeah, I think it's, what, a tablespoon in a five-gallon container? That's correct, yeah. So, so uh, two tablespoons is an ounce, so if you can envision two tablespoons and take a gallon of water, it'll absorb that whole amount. So the whole idea here is then, you know, container gardening is hot. 
And, of course, I've been doing it forever, but now it is the thing. But the biggest drawback when it comes to watering, of course, is or the containers is having to water all the time. Well, that's where soil moist comes in because you add this to your potting mixes, and it cuts your your watering down, in many cases, by as much as half of the normal, the normal times. So when I'm mixing this in, I think this is really important. You need to explain this to folks. You said it's not a topical. It's something you need down in the soil. How do I make sure I have that down in the soil, and do I need to pre-wet that, or I do it while it's dry when I add it to the soil? Well, most of the people, you, you could pre-hydrate around. Most of the people put it in dry because our application rates on our packaging is in the dry form. But right. some people will get a bucket and they'll pre-hydrate it. But you've you got to measure the right amount so you know that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, at, at the time of planting is, is the absolute easiest because you're just putting it in and then dropping the flower or plant in. As a retrofit, you could do that. You could take a pencil or a stick or some, poke some holes and put a little crystals in there. We even put it in a spike form. As long as you get it down around by the root system, you're fine. You're fine. So work it. So if you're doing your, I, I, I usually do, do like three-fifths of my potting soil in there, mix it together, and then bring in the rest of the two-fifths to the top so I know it's down a little bit deeper into the soil. That way it's not qu- quite so much the top. And I that thing with the wood dowel or the pencil, that works great. Because I always yeah. have folks saying, you know, well, I've already got window boxes. I'm already planted. How do I add soil moist to the soil? Well, just take a pencil or a, a long dowel, shove it down through the soil, sprinkle some crystals in each of those tubes, and you've got uh, soil moist tubes now um, of water channels that works ex- exceptionally well. How long does soil moist last? So now I've, I've added it this year. How long can I expect to see it in my potting soil? Well, uh, Ron, undisturbed, it's about three to five years. Then it'll start to degrade. So undisturbed meaning like if you put it with perennials, tree shrubs, things like that. But annuals, of course, you're going to be pulling those out. So a lot of those crystals you're physically going to be removing because they're clinging onto the roots. So the next year with the annuals, if you're going to reuse that soil, there'll be some of that left in there. So you may have to apply a little bit. But, again, trees and shrubs, uh, so forth, perennials, uh, you're, they're good to go for several years to get those roots established. You know, and we're talking, maybe not now, like I'm up here in Cleveland, so it's a rainy weekend, but this is really going to kick in come July and August. You know, people mm-hmm. are away more, and that's when it's really going to kick in during during the hot season. You know, one thing I think about, I, I think of planting plants like in a shaded, woody area sometimes, hemlock, azaleas, things like that, and, you know, the competition there for, for moisture and all that. I always say, you know, treat them like they're newly planted for the first two or three or four years on the watering especially. Here's a situation where you add the soil moist to the soil around those. It automatically helps to keep moisture around those in that comp- competing times while they're getting themselves rerooted, competing with the trees and other uh, vegetation that's around them. That's where soil moist can be your best friend again. Yeah, the, the, those those high-dollar items and perennials and so forth, uh, it, it's critical the first few weeks because uh, they go into shock. So you've got to get the right amount of moisture in there. And the other thing, Ron, is, is vegetables. People are doing a lot of vegetables. It, it's ideal for that. Anything you have to water, mix this in. It, it's completely environmentally friendly. It biodegrades. So, again, anything you, you have to water, please mix mix it in. And then it, You'll be you'll be thinking of that uh, come later uh, July and August as we talk about. You'll be thinking Scott Weiser that you, he told you about soil moist. Now for folks that are organic gardeners, this is they cannot use this in their organic mixes, correct? Well, I don't know. Uh, or can it, they? Well, they well, can, it, but it just holds the water. We were actually featured years ago in the Organic Gardening magazine. They talked about our product specifically. It, it's not organic, but it just holds the water and. Uh, 
by all means you can, but right. you know that's that's and it's, to you. it's not a chemical, and it's, it's you know it's not labeled organic. But I don't see Correct. why you couldn't, you, like you said. And of course, they featured you in the magazine too. And uh, even though it's not labeled organic, I don't see why you couldn't use that uh, as an organic gardener as well. Scott, this is great stuff. You know, I've been using this for years and years and years. I can't thank you enough for turning me on to it many, many years ago. And like I say, every garden talk I have, I always have a jar with me, always talking to folks about it, and uh, it's a great product. And if you're a big container gardener, this is the stuff you need because it really does cut back your watering by at least 50% and sometimes even more than that. Scott, always a pleasure having you on the show. Great product. By the way, today's the Kentucky Derby. you got to pick. Uh, whoever comes in first, I'll, I'll let you know at about six o'clock. Excellent. I knew that. I, I knew you'd have an answer for us. <laughs> there you go. Have a good one. Scott Weisler, JRM Chemical. And of course, the product is called Soil Moist. Be sure and check it out at all your locally owned independent garden centers. Quick break. We come back. We'll continue on here in the garden with Ron Wilson. Landscaping made easier with your personal yard boy. He's in the garden and he's Ron Wilson. Good morning. Welcome back. You're in the garden with Ron Wilson. And as I promised, she is back. And sometimes she is hard to get back on the show because she is always on the go. Now, who am I talking about? You know, you know all about All America selections. Yeah, all those award winners every year. Well, she's the person personally responsible for all of those All America selections that you see and grow in your yard and garden. She is the executive director, and she by ha- chance happens to be on our show, and her name is Miss Diane Blazik. Good morning. Good morning. Always, How are always, you? <laughs> I'm great. Always a pleasure having you on the show, and I understand you're out and about as usual. Yes, I am. I'm making a trip through the great state of Ohio next week. Whoa. So what did yeah, we do? What did we do to wind up getting Diane Blazik in the great state of Ohio? Well, I had a reason to be going to Pennsylvania, and I've decided to drive through and stop at some of our display gardens. So you know, just to check in on the display garden, see how they're doing, see if they need anything, but also to give some presentations to anybody in the area who wants to learn more about All America Selections. Excellent. Now, for folks that that are listening that may not know what we're talking about when we say the All-America Selections, what are those? All-America Selections are award-winning plants that have been trialed all over North America. So you're giving me credit, but I give our judges credit. And they are the ones at the trial grounds that test these new plants. They test them against um, other varieties that are very similar. And then only if they have superior garden performance are they deemed AAS winners. Then the next step is we send them out to almost 200 display gardens around North America 
Mm-hmm. They're the ones that plant them, put the variety markers so you know what, what variety name it is, um, and they display them for the public to go see. So they're very important in our whole process of uh, marketing these new winners. When, they, when they're doing the trial gardens for the All-America selections, do they are the conditions in which they're grown pretty much they try to do the same thing in all the gardens as far as feeding, deadheading, and things like that? Well, you know, the instructions we give them are treat them like a home gardener would. So if you forget to water them once in a while, that's fine. If you put too much or too little fertilizer, sometimes they just don't, you know, home gardeners don't. So our judges try to do the same thing. I mean, they don't abuse them. They will water them as they should. Um, Mm -hmm. But, yeah, we we really try to make sure that... Um, you know, they're not being like a professional horticulturist and, and really treating them well. But, you know, they're out in the gardens. They have to put up with the sun and the pounding rain and critters and everything like that. So they're they're not pampered in the trials. They're, they really go through like a real world situation. So they have to they have to experience whatever's happening out there, and and uh, so we get a good re- good read on exactly uh, how well they're going to do. Diane Blazik, right. our special guest this morning, of course, she is the executive director for All America Selections. Don't let her kid you; uh, she is the one that makes the final decisions on that. The judges can make all the calls they want, but Diane says, "No, nah, I don't like that one." Isn't that mm-hmm. what you do? Uh, sh- I'll, I'll take that sure. one. Sure, let's do that one instead. <laughs> we'll go with it. <laughs> no, but she she helps to coordinate, put this all together, and uh, and again, if you want to check out some of the All America selections, and this goes back to how like the 30s, right? Yes, 1932 was when the organization started. So we announced our first winners in 1933. 1933, uh, and it's it's interesting, and uh, I always joke with Diane because if you go on the website and go back and look from uh, from that point forward, and that would be all americaselections.org. Um, go back and look. You will reckon if you're a gardener at all, you'll recognize a lot of names of uh, of uh, fruits and, or uh, vegetables and annuals on there that uh, you've been using probably for a long time in your garden. I'm drawing a blank right now, but I still think of one of the tomatoes from way back in '39 or '40 or something like that. That's still a major player today. Right, right. Like big beef or celebrity yep. tomatoes, more recent. Oh, straight eight cucumber. Straight eight cucumber. Yeah, that's yeah. the one I was thinking of. Straight eights. And I still grow straight eights. Everybody says, yep. what kind of cucumbers? Straight eights. They've been proven Always. since 1935. So there you go. And again, that's all a part of the All American selection. So you're going to be touring uh, three of the gardens. How many are out there, did you say? 180 different gardens are out there. So that's wow. all over Canada and the United States. Do you get to tour all 180 of them? <laughs> One day. That's my goal. That's my life goal. That that's on the bucket list then. You hit all all yes. 180 of them. So you're going right. to be you're going to be in Ohio and uh, I think it's Pennsylvania on the third stop. Right. Uh, and if you want to learn more about this, and we'll tell you where they're going to be. The website to go to is that All America Selections, correct? Correct. And under the button that says news, there's um, the list of stops and the locations where I'll be, you know, date, time, address, et cetera. All right. And the first stop is going to be Rockefeller Park Greenhouse and Greenhouses in Cleveland. Yes. Yes. On Tuesday, May 9th at 11 o'clock in the morning. All right. 11 o'clock. And then and that and that'll be um, you'll have a, a, a session that you're going to talk uh, there to the folks and then they can tour the garden as well. Exactly. It'll be about 45, 50-minute presentation. I might even be bringing some seed of AAF winners to give away. Oh. 
So yeah, well, that's well, a little incentive, right? <laughs> yeah. So if LeBron James is listening and he does not playing on Tuesday the ninth, he may show up. You never know. That would be awesome. That, that would My be kind of cool. Would be over the top if I gave LeBron James <laughs> some seats. <laughs> uh, I love it. And then uh, let's see here. On Wednesday, you're going to be in Youngstown, Ohio. Exactly. Um, the Mill Creek Metro Parks at Fellows Riverside Garden. I'll be there at noon. And this one is really fun. They're calling it Lunch and Learn. So bring along your brown bag lunch. I'm talking to any visitors that come as well as their staff. And this is free, right? All these are free? Absolutely free. And, you know, Diane Blazik, to, to go and get to see her for free, that's worth it in itself. Plus, the, the talk and then the, the gardens, uh, absolutely free. You can't beat that. And then the third stop will be in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Exactly, at Shinley Park Plaza. So, they, again, they're one of our display gardens, and um, they have a nice facility there on Forbes Avenue. So I'm really looking forward to giving that talk also. So I'm covering two states next week. So she's covered a couple states. And, again, if you want to learn more about where Diane is going to be and all about the All-America Selections, go to their website. It's all-americaselections.org. We'll get Joe to put that on our website next week so you can click on it. It'll take you right to it. And, Diane, you know, we didn't get a chance uh, this spring so far to talk about any of the uh, the selections for 2017. But when will the 2018 selections start to appear? They will very soon, actually. Uh, in July, we will announce our first ones for 2018. Anything, uh, have you seen any of the uh, possibilities out there so far? Anything really cool? Um, you know, I know, you can't release that, it. Well, I know I can't say, but what we're seeing a lot of right now is peppers, like really uh, cool peppers. Yeah. So we have some already, but I think there's a few new ones coming also. So she can't say for sure, but uh, probably some new cool peppers for 2018. Right. All right. Will you promise us to come back and talk to us about it? I promise. Anytime okay. you ask. All right. Always a pleasure. Diane Blazik, again, the website is all-americaselections.org. You can see her on Tuesday in Cleveland, on Wednesday in Youngstown, and on Thursday in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And, again, if you didn't write all these down, email me or go to the website, and you can find those dates. Always a pleasure. Have a safe trip, and we will talk to you sometime in the future about the 2018 selections. Thank you very much. All right, Diane. Take care. Mm-hmm, bye. Bye-bye. Diane Blazik and, uh, from the All-America Selections. And it's fun to go back and look at that list because you go back and you still see vegetables on there and some annuals on there that we're still growing today. Straight eights. I couldn't, I couldn't remember. 1935. Straight eights. Cucumbers. Still top of the list when it comes to just a good overall cucumber. You can't beat straight eights. All-America selection that many years ago. Quick break. We come back. We're going to open the phone lines open for you. It's 800-823-8255. That's 800-823-TALK. Taking your gardening tips. Got lots of tips to share with you as well. Taking your calls. Taking your questions. Again, 800-823-8255. It's all happening here in the garden with Ron Wilson. Ron can help at 1-800-823-TALK. This is In the Garden with Ron Wilson.
Our toll-free number here in the garden, the same as it is every Saturday morning, 800-823-8255. Good morning. I am Ron Wilson, your personal yard boy. We're talking about yarding on this first Saturday in May. A little bit of frost in our area this weekend. Maybe. You never know. Maybe. Temperatures are pretty warm in the, in the soil. That plays a big factor, too. But uh, nevertheless, if you're in doubt, cover it up. Just cover it up. Never know. You know, don't don't take the chance. But that's what happens. We always take that risk earlier in the season, and we're going to have it uh, next couple days. But uh, just be prepared just in case. Also, before we go to the gardening phone lines, a couple things. One is um, get out to your local garden centers this weekend. Of course, the great selection. You're going to find probably the best selection of everything this weekend and next weekend at your local garden centers, and you'll find the entire season. Now, I may go into the third weekend as well, but these two weeks and two weekends are probably the two weeks that they are really just packed to the gills with just about anything they can get in there as far as plants. And so selections at the peak, the whole nine yards. So get out and check them out this weekend. Next weekend, obviously, Mother's Day weekend, a big one for the stores as well. And the weekend after. Uh, and, and it stays strong, obviously, but I'm just saying uh, the, the, these couple of weeks here um, really too, truly are the kind of the, you know, if there's got everything, these will be the we- these will be the weeks that uh, you'll get out and you'll find all that uh, out there for you. Also, remember, uh, pruning-wise, just want to mention very quickly, spring flowering plants that are finished blooming, if you have to prune or they need pruning, do that right after they're finished uh, uh, blooming. Two things in particular come to my mind. One is lilacs. Lilacs need to be pruned within about two or three weeks after they're finished flowering. If you wait longer than that, you may mess up the flowering for next year. So lilacs, it's important to get on those right away, as soon as those last flowers are spent, to get out there and do any pruning if needed. If you don't have to prune, good. Don't do any. But uh, if needed, you got to do get on it right away after the, the flowering is done. But otherwise, you have a few weeks, but for spring flowering plants... If needed, as soon as they're finished flowering, sometime in the next few, next few weeks is a good time to go and prune because, remember, they flower on new growth or last year's growth. So, in other words, what it grew on last, this year will be your flowers uh, for next year. So, keep that in mind. Also, uh, the lilacs, like I said, I mentioned that earlier, azaleas and rhododendrons. When they're finished flowering, especially the rhodos, go through with your hands and pick out those old deadhead, those old flowers out of there. That is a pruning process. Don't let them try to go to seed. It takes a lot out of the plant. It looks nasty. Just pick those out. And azaleas, as soon as they're done flowering, and rotos, the same thing. If they're starting to get a little tall or a little leggy, that's the time to prune them back. They'll start to push out the new growth once the flowers are finished. So cut them back if needed. And I've taken azaleas that were four and five feet tall and all the foliage on the ends and nothing in the middle, taking them back to 18 inches above the ground. Yep. With not any leaves or hardly any leaves at all left on those stems, kind of mound off the branching that I see there, a nice natural shape. Next thing you know, new leaves are starting to pop back out. By the next season, you've got yourself pretty much flushed up a whole new plant again. So don't be afraid to do that if necessary, if they're getting leggy. But do prune those uh, right after finished flowering before the new growth starts to come out. Spring flowering bulbs, tulips, daffodils, all of those, if they're finished flowering, Remember that you can still give them a light feeding at this stage. Let that foliage stay green for at least six weeks when they're finished flowering. From six weeks from the finished flowering time, stay green before you remove that foliage. Don't braid them. Don't tie them up with rubber bands. Just leave them alone. And if it's if it's daffodils and there's, the foliage is getting in your way and you want to plant annuals, cut them in half. So you still have some foliage there, but just cut it in half. 
and then it'll yellow and just kind of fall down. And you may not even have to rake those up. They may fall right into your annuals when they do yellow, and you may be good to go, but cut it in half. Otherwise, leave them alone for at least six to eight weeks after they're finished flowering to make sure that they've got good uh, energy back into that bulb for growing and flowering next year. Naked ladies, resurrection lilies, all right, they come up with the foliage in the springtime, and then they flower later in August, early September. If you're looking to dig and divide those, two times. You can either do it when the foliage has yellowed in the spring, and they're starting to do that now, or you can do it in the fall or the late summer after they're finished flowering. Both times are, are, are accepted for digging and transplanting those. They don't like to be moved, but uh, you can do it either time, so keep that in mind as well. Don't forget, you need to get out and plant a tree. Plant it forward. Promise yourself you'll plant a tree this year. And within your container gardening, your landscape, your, your vegetable garden, your perennial gardens, whatever, you will continue to look for pollinator plants. Adding things that the pollinators love. Perennial plant of the year happens to be what? Butterfly weed. Uh, Sclepias tuberosa. Great plant to add to that garden. And you plant it, and they will come, trust me. Monarch butterflies will be all over the place, but that's another one of those plants that all the pollinators like. So make sure you get out and do your pollinator planting um, as well. And, of course, today is, if you want to celebrate, it is World Garden Naked Day. So if you see your neighbor, you look out the window and something looks a little fishy, uh, doesn't seem fully clothed, that's because it is World Garden Naked Day. And I'm sure there are some folks who will take advantage and celebrate that particular holiday. All right, and it won't be me. Back to the gardening phone lines. We shall go. Loveland, Sydney, good morning. Good morning, Ron. I sure hope I don't see my neighbor naked in the yard. That no, no. Be- hopefully they won't They won't celebrate that. So. <laughs> question for you um are you supposed to pull up mulch before you put mulch down because i what i I put mulch down over mulch it was already there but there wasn't a lot and Mm -hmm. i feel like now i've seen some mushrooms growing and i've seen a little bit of white i think it's is that mold or Mm -hmm. so do i need to pull that up and throw that away or what do i do no as you know i think the way the conditions have been right now with the moisture in the ground Temperature mm-hmm. conditions have been right, and I think, uh, did, did you use the exact same mulch you used last year? No, no. Uh, we we just bought the house in August, so, it, you know, I, I just, I don't know what they used before, but it didn't look the same. Okay. Uh, no, but I, and again, the point being is this. You have you have organic matter there, and as it starts to break down, and if the moisture levels mm-hmm. are right, and humidity's right, you sometimes will get a little bit of mold. Sometimes you'll get okay. um, dog bar fungus that'll grow in it. Some mushrooms will pop up. That's natural. All okay. I would do is go out there with a rake and maybe fluff it up. Okay. All right, and just fluff it, and you'll see that will dry it right back out again, and it'll disappear. Okay, but, but it won't it, kill my plants. No, right? no, no. That's what I'm so, worried about. You no, know, the mold in that is not an issue, but it is telling you the white mold is telling you that it may be staying a little damp right in that area. Okay. So just just fluff it up a little bit. And remember, when you're mulching, you know, one to three inches deep. And one mm-hmm. inch is, that, that's a lot of mulch. Three inches is pretty darn deep. But okay. one inch, you know, one inch, two inch maybe around the uh, foundation plantings. Never put the mulch around the base of the plant, up against the base of the plant. And if you see oh, those okay. things pop up, just just fluff it up a little bit, and you'll see it'll dry out and go away and, and won't be an issue. So you said about an inch of, mul- of mulch, you, no you know, more than that? If it's one to three, one, one to, to three, three inches, okay. and it depends. Okay. If it's on larger trees, you could go the three inches. If it's around normal landscaping, 
Um, okay. I say I stay in that one to two inch range, and two inches okay. is pretty deep. Okay. Okay. Can I ask you one more quick question? Sure. I, just, I heard you mention about the the uh, daffodils because I, I actually. I, I see people putting the rubber bands around them, and so I mm-hmm. did that. So should I take the rubber bands off, and when well, do you do that? Here's the here's the kicker. They do that so that it doesn't look so, you know, they're floppy like and all over the place. Yeah. And it looks better to do that. But here's what happens over time. Okay. You're actually cutting down the amount of leaf surface that's there for photosynthesis to put food back into oh. that bulb. And uh-huh. so you do that. If you do it year after year after year, it can start to take its toll on the bulb because it's not getting the full energy. And I, okay. also, I also look at it and say, you know, if you take a garden hose and you bend it in half and you pinch it, what happens? The water stops flowing through it. Oh, well, the same yeah, thing that's... happens when you do that. Okay. So just take off the – I'm going to take them off then. So Yeah, just take them off. And, and well, you know, at, at this stage – I'm going to leave them on. Yeah, leave them on. But do it uh, next year. Try to okay. not do that. And it, like I say, if it starts to get floppy and looking kind of bad, just cut it in half. Okay. And what and you'll then, find, it'll stay, it'll stay stand up, stand up more upright for oh, you at yeah. half, and okay. it doesn't look quite so bad. Okay, great. I love your show. You have a thank great you. show, Ron. You're wonderful. Right. Thank, thank you, you so much. Oh, you're welcome. Good talking to you. Let's take a Thanks. quick break. We go back. We'll jump right back into the gardening phone lines. Eight hundred eight two three eight two five five. Here in the garden with Ron Wilson. Landscaping made easier with your personal yard boy. He's in the garden, and he's Ron Wilson. Welcome back here in the Garden with Ron Wilson. Again, that toll-free number, 800-823-8255. Back to the gardening phone lines we go. Dick and Dayton, good morning. Good morning, Ron. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm doing good. How about you? Good talking I'm good. to you. Hey, were you at the were you at the Lowe's the other day when the lady got stuck in the uh, grid? Yes. Oh, Ron. That made that, the news. Oh, that, 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 that made the news. I mean, I'm like, you know... We all freaked out over that. That was bad. So I, I still didn't. I didn't understand what happened. She get caught I, in the I, grid. I don't know how she got okay. in there. Nobody knew. You know, the Beaver Rick Fire Department used welding torches. I mean, it it was uh, Channel Seven News came down maybe, here. I mean, it maybe was, it was one of your fans, huh? Yeah, maybe it was maybe one of your fans. <laughs> but uh, I just wanted to tell you this: doggone cold weather. Uh, you know they cut the they shut the garden down for a couple of days, but hopefully today we'll get back. But last weekend we were just, I mean, it's just going with the molds, with the bricks, with with everything. It's kind of nice to see, you know. 
Oh, it is. And I tell you what, we're, we'll get back into it. We've had a few cold, rainy days, but it'll clear out, and we'll be right back into the spring season. And then the next thing you know, Dick, we'll be talking about putting air conditioners and fans up because we're going to be too hot. Yeah, we're going to be too hot. But it's it's been pretty neat, you know. It's uh, Yeah, we uh, our boss hired some help and everything. And Good. You know, I work out there quite a bit, and uh, you know, I work like uh, – you know, Wednesday through Sunday, but it's nice to see the old people out there. You know, Brian buying all that, that black medallion and the Miracle Grow and, uh, you know, a lot of bricks. And, uh, you know, they buy a lot of the pea gravel topsoil. You know, it's yep, pretty yep. interesting, buddy. It's that time of the year, Dick, and we're getting lots of callers, so we're going to keep moving on. Always a pleasure talking to you. Yeah, well, have a great day, okay? All right, Dick. Take care. Take care. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Chris on Eastgate, good morning. You're in the garden with Ron Wilson. Good morning, Ron. Love your show. Yes, sir. Listen Thank every you. week. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I just had a couple questions. Uh, what's the uh, best soil to use uh, for hanging baskets and uh, planter boxes? Last, last year I used uh, Fertilome, and uh, I put in begonias and geraniums and uh, impatience, and, and nothing grew, and they all died. I think it got too, stayed too wet. Stayed too wet? Yeah, I think so. Interesting, because a lot of times it's usually with the window boxes, especially they're so small, not not much depth and width, that they have a tendency to dry out so quickly. No, th- a, I think all the roots rotted. Interesting. Yeah. I, I like, you know what, I like the fertile loam soil because it's such an open and airy soil. Yeah, oh, yeah, uh, it is. Very and I, I, pers- I personally recommend the fertile loam. I think it does a great job. I'll tell you another one to take a look at if you want to try something different. Premier um, is another line that I think is the top of the line, and it's uh, Premier Pro Mix. And, and that's an, that's another one you'll find in your local garden centers. Okay. Espoma. Espoma makes a really nice line, both organic and regular potting mixes. But I'll tell you, I've used that Fertilone for a long time and really haven't had any issues with it, yeah. um, especially staying wet. So, yeah, I like I say, I, usually we're adding something to make it stay a little bit moisture. Oh, I, well, they were outside More moist. and it was kind of rainy. Uh, yeah. So, so maybe maybe they just got too wet. But well, uh, and and how about the drainage in those uh, baskets? You got pretty good sized holes for good drainage. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. I got a screen screen mesh in the bottom of them, and um, yeah. And then the holes, holes the holes in the bottom for them to come. Okay, that's that's yeah, good. Yeah. But again, I I like it. I think it's a great potty mix, and I would have recommended it to you. But if you want to try something else, look at look at the Premier Pro yeah, Mix. Uh, I think I'm going to try something else. Try a little bit different, and and let me know if you have different results. Okay, and and one other question: Have, have you had any luck with uh, seedlings in in core? Growing it in core, I yeah. have not. I have not grown any seedlings in core. Okay. Now I have grown transplants in core. Yeah. And they did okay, but I don't want to grow straight core. I would. I mix that with a potting mix, usually about a ten to twenty percent. Yeah. Well, I've uh, been- I've been trying for three years to grow seedlings and haven't had any luck, and I've just been using the core, and um, they seem to come up, but then they get about two or three inches tall and either damp off and die or just die. So so I tried something. I found some Hoffman's mix, seed starting mm-hmm. mix, and, and they're thriving. I'm so thrilled. Good. It's well, like, like three years ago, I had great success. And, but I had to go to the Internet to find it. But Interesting. I'm happy, yeah. So, well, you know, the thing about the core is I really like core, and I'm using it more and more, adding it to potting mixes. Um, it's very light, very airy, but remember, there's no nutritional value to it at all. Yeah, well, I put, put the 
fertilizer with it, but just just Miracle Grow. Anything better right. than anything better than Miracle Grow? When it comes to water solubles, I look at yeah. Miracle Grow. I look at the Peters. Uh, you know, there's two okay. or three of those yeah, that are I've heard of those. Yeah, good all-purpose. Uh, yeah. You know, water soluble fertilizers. But I like the core. I do add that to potting mixes. I think it does a good job. Uh, but I don't like using it by itself. No, I, I I don't think it's any good by itself. Everything no. doesn't grow in it. No, I think it's a, as an amendment. And I'll tell you, there was a lot of research done with core up at the Scott's in-ground gardens in Marysville, Ohio. They added that to the to the to the clay soils, and that did an outstanding job amending clay soils. I can I can see how it can yeah. amend because it's very very light and, and fluffy. Yeah, yeah, it does an outstanding job. So I, I like it. I, and again, it's hard to find in, uh, a certain places, but I love using core. Yeah. Okay. Well, I appreciate your help. All right, Thanks. good talking to you. Uh-huh. All right, and, and very quickly, we'll talk to uh, Everlyn. Good morning. Ron, good morning. Um, I uh, have to remind everybody it's Lyme Disease Awareness Month, and you're not looking for a tick that you can recognize, even though all the major posters and information sites show identification. You're looking for a speck of dirt. Those exactly. nibs are very hungry. It could be like a poppy seed, but you usually have to use your fingers to find it, and they like to hide in shady places both on the ground and in your body, whether it's, you know, in on your back, so it's good to use a mirror or have somebody help you. And the bacteria is in the spirochete family, which can cause... Pretty bad things. Um, so and, be very... And the ticks, ticks are out early this year, too, Evelyn, and I'm glad you called and reminded. we got to take a break here. But ticks are out early, so make sure that you know, if you're out working in the yard, like Evelyn said, inspect yourself. And, of course, the deer tick, which carries that, is extremely small, much smaller than the dog tick. So you have to look close, but it's very, very important that you do inspect. Coming up next, Gary Sullivan here in the Garden with Ron Wilson. For the do-it-yourself gardener at 1-800-823-TALK. You're in the garden with Ron Wilson. Welcome back here in the Garden with Ron Wilson. Again, that toll-free number, 800-823-8255. Time for a little home improvement for the man, the myth, the legend. He is the most listened to home improvement show host in the entire world, solar system, and whatever else happens to be out there that we have nothing, we know nothing about. I wonder if there are home improvement experts way out there somewhere light years away. Well, it doesn't matter because we have ours right here. His name is Gary Sullivan. He is the homeboy. Good morning, sir. Morning. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? Great. GarySullivanOnline.com happens to be his website. Do you think there are home improvement experts somewhere out there? Absolutely. Somewhere? And they're all celebrating the Derby today. 
And they're all celebrating the Derby? Absolutely. Do they make chocolate, hollow chocolate You got it, horses? baby. They're called mint, mint juleps. With oh, mint juleps. With a chocolate flair. So I would do a chocolate you horse. You got it. You got it. With a mint julep on you the inside. Mm-hmm. That easy. Mm-hmm. I told you it's a drink for all occasions. Were you the one telling me about the bartender making the mint julep? No. Huh? No. He had all the ingredients out, and he's making all this stuff, and he's putting it all together. He finally stops and just wipes it off the cop the counter and said, wait a second. This isn't the way to drink this. Takes the bourbon, pours it in a glass, and drinks it. So that's the way you to drink bourbon. You know what they call that? What? A problem. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Okay, it would so be. So no talking about droughts today, I bet. No. As a matter of fact, I have a question for you. I, yeah. I know there's a lot of basements that are getting flooded oh, with this kind of yeah. weather. Yeah, it's terrible. When I hear from folks saying it just ran in the um, window well and through the that window. That is a big, big problem with these I mean, last few days. That's all I have heard. If I you, agree. If you seal that up with those those glass blocks, yeah. does that keep that? I mean, would that prevent that from happening? Maybe, but the problem's much larger than that. Yeah. Of course, you know, it's the drain tile that's around the house. There's a good chance that those are crushed or blocked. And what's happened, there's nowhere for that water to go. So it just rapidly raises the water table. And, of course, uh, on the outside, the lowest level on the outside is the base of the window well. So it begins to fill up. And then it's it's I've heard stories. I've received phone calls where the windows break. It reaps in between the window and the frames. So, yeah, glass block, you know, I mean, it is a block, and it's put in with mortar, and it can likely hold that water out, but the problem is so much bigger than that. Well, yeah, 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 but I was just curious if that if that actually would hold it out. Yeah. If yeah. that by chance happened. Yeah, yeah because there is uh, really a small amount of water, really, when you think about it, inside the window well. Right. Yeah. I mean, that, it's it, a small it, amount, so it's right. not a tremendous amount of pressure, but, you know, on those other windows, it's certainly enough to... Uh, create enough pressure to get in between where those windows close and sit against the frame. But a glass block, well, yeah, you know, glass blocks are great. I mean, you know, they're more secure than a a regular window. Most of those windows, if somebody wanted to get into your home, they could just kick them in. Mm -hmm. So from a security standpoint, they're much better. Uh, in those situations, you know, they're they're not going to weep water into the basement if you have a, a drainage issue problem. But, yeah. I've, I'll tell you. That's crazy. You know, after that, 30 years of doing this and probably 40, 50 years in this industry, I have never had so many issues with window wells. And I, people are saying, like, well, should I just put a window well covers on it? It's not the rain. That's it's not coming in from the top. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, anyway. anyway. You know, I, I, when, I, when I see those, I think of my dad because uh, when they were finishing their basement many, many, many years ago. Yep. And they looked at those window wells, and he wanted to put the glass blocks in there, mm-hmm. but he didn't because he felt like he couldn't get out of the basement yeah, if he needed to. That's true. Well, a lot and, of people didn't put them in either because of no ventilation, but now they got little windows. Well, they got that little screen. vent that goes in right, there. Right, yeah. right. But he, he wouldn't do it because he was afraid that he, if he something happened, he out, wanted okay. to be able to get, crawl out that basement yeah. window. Well, pros and cons with everything in our landscaping and our homes. Oh, ab- absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So anyway. So uh, what do I do on rainy week, you know, rainy days like the last uh, few days here? I don't know. <laughs> Should, it, wouldn't the that be a good time? just rolling along just fine, and then, and then what that happens. Happened? Isn't that a good time to seriously go up in the attic and look around to see? Because I've done that, and also you see a little—not a you know major leak, but the 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 wood be just a little wet. 
Ron, I'll tell you, there's never kind of a bad time to take a walk around the home. When it rains and as windy as it has been in our city in the last week, I, I'm not going to use the word panic. I don't panic. But there is an always, there's always an element of concern mm-hmm. uh, in, in my mind eh, of listening for leaks, checking for leaks, walking around the home. I, I, you know, the things you find are they're crazy. I mean, I yep. found a, a gutter that was actually pulled away from the fascia, uh, and I see the water flowing behind the gutter. Well, that's not good. I saw... Um, that I your did, house? Yes, sir. And this your house is just, isn't that old. I, well, things happen. Well, I, well that's what I'm saying, yeah, though. You know, it's That's why you got to look. I noticed, and just paying attention, we had uh, uh, some mulching done, and all of a sudden I noticed on the sidewalk there's about an inch thick of mulching, maybe about eight inches wide, and it had actually washed from the landscaping across the sidewalk and hit the grass there. I'm like, what's going on? So get behind the bushes, the downspout where it's going under the ground. Well, guess what? It it didn't go under the ground. Uh-huh. It, it had become misaligned. That water came down. It washed the mulch out onto the sidewalk. And that was a clue that something's wrong, something's amiss. So, yeah, taking a walk around, checking the attic. I'm not kidding you. I mean, maybe maybe I'm just oversensitive, but when it rains and it starts getting that windy, I just always just start paying attention and walk around the house and see if if I can find some problem areas. Well, that's one thing you and I agree on because I say the same thing about the yard. Yep. You know, manage by walking around, looking up in those trees, looking up in those evergreens, see what snapped off, what changed, you know, where puddles are, are filling up in your yard that you might have to level out. So, you know, again, it's the old walk around. I've seen the last two or three days trees that uh, that were multi-stemmed, like the you know, the one you, you like the birch so much, the river yeah. birch. Oh, gosh, I picked up so many small branches in my driveway. It's amazing. But where they're growing, to, those are three actual different trees mm-hmm. growing together. And in some cases where they all come together, there's no roots on that particular side of the tree, if you think about it. Right. And you get into a situation where trees have, have put out a lot of new growth and they're top heavy, mm-hmm. get the rain and a strong wind, and it'll just snap right away from the other two plants. Nice. It's amazing how many of those. Could be. <laughs> That's the way the wind comes, isn't it? Yes, it is. I'm just sitting there thinking that when you're down that. I don't see, it so, trees, but well, I don't like, see oh. it so much with the birch Good. Um, because they're pretty extensive root system, and it's close to the top of the ground. But, boy, I have seen that with some other trees, and they just, you know, there's no roots on that side, and they just eventually topple over because they can't support themselves. But you're right. Get out, walk around, take a look, and uh, see what's going on out there because I'm sure something you'll find something happen, even if it's a newer home. Sure. And boy, you talk about trees uh, with the amount of rain. I I was driving around, what day was that? Maybe Tuesday. And there were several times I had to detour because roads were blocked because trees had just fallen down. Yeah. They didn't get blown down. They just so wet. The root system didn't support it on the side of a hill and down and they came. And down that's when came. I always challenge folks, especially bigger trees, to get out your yardstick and go out and measure how deep those roots are, aren't. Mm-hmm. Because I always say you'll never find roots anywhere in our area uh, that are deeper than a yardstick. Yep, doesn't happen. Well, you I don't care how the big the tree is. Over that, how just exactly not deep they are. I mean, and you look, you look at evergreens, especially have very you know shallow root system yeah. and minimal root systems, and you wonder how they even supported themselves all those years. Sure. Well, I'm but telling it, you, your buddies too will tell you to thin out those trees. I know 
I work hard on doing that locust probably about every three years. I get it thinned out because the branches kind of hang over the tree, or mm-hmm. over the house. And mm-hmm. I, I don't want that sale effect, and I don't want to branch through my roof. Nope. And I'll tell you, Ron, you know, there's a new thing they're doing more and more of, Gary, is uh, using uh, growth inhibitors. I remember regulators. when Ron was talking about Yeah, that. and slowing them down, and it actually causes them to root in better. Um, yeah, so those are those are being used a lot that. more, too. So you might want to have Ron come out and look at that sometime. I might have to do that. All right, it is the running of the roses uh, today, and I know you're uh, you like betting on the ponies. Uh, do you have a do you, you, do you, you have make a favorite? Me just sound like a bad person. We're always talking about bourbon and betting on horses. <laughs> I live a boring life, Ron. I don't know. I just actually just eat the chocolate bunnies. I, I, I just you know I just do. Uh, by the I way, love I did the mint. I did go buy a couple of bottles of bourbon uh, Buffalo Trace last week. Oh, did you? Uh, I did. Okay. So it was hard to find, but I found them. <laughs> there you go. So do you have a do you have a pick in today's derby? Uh no, I don't. I do okay. not. I do not. I haven't studied much of it, but I bet it's going to be a sloppy track. Uh, well, I don't know. Yeah. Now it's clear. It's is it supposed to rain there or to clear out? No, but uh, I was looking at a little Facebook live, and they were doing yeah. a little trot around the track. And this gal was saying it was going to be a sloppy track. She mm. was given the composition of the track of silk, silk. Is that right? silt? Silt. Silt. Sand. Clay. Sand. Yeah, that was kind of. It was interesting. It's amazing what they can do to that track, though. Yeah, that's true. Though it'll all be groomed and looking beautiful. Oh, you know it. Gary Sullivan coming up next on most of these stations. Of course, check out his website with great information. It's GarySullivanOnline.com. Have a great weekend, my friend. All right. You do the same, Ronnie. Coming up next, Buggy Joe Boggs here in the garden with Ron Wilson. Landscaping made easier with your personal yard boy. He's in the garden, and he's Ron Wilson. Welcome back here in the garden with Ron Wilson, and it is time for the Buggy Joe Boggs Report. Mr. Joe Boggs, assistant professor, commercial horticulture educator for the Ohio State University Extension, and the poster boy for the OSU Extension. Mr. Boggs, good morning, sir. Good morning, man. What a day this is. <laughs> it's going to turn. I think it's going to turn out to be a pretty nice day. I think it's going to be a great day. I've got my big hat on, you know. I mean, with all the what, with all the flowers on it. Yeah, that's what that's what the guys wear down there. And that's you, what somebody told me. I, are I you sinking? Are you sipping on mint juleps already? Oh my goodness! Let me tell you, that's a uh, yes. That's that's no. I'm not. <laughs> but you know, it is an exciting day. I have to say, every year, I think because of our proximity, you know, to Louisville, that it's it's just uh, you know we we hear a lot of the run up, but then nationally, internationally, it's it's the hot topic, isn't it? How do you pronounce the capital of Kentucky, Louisville or Louisville? Oh, it's Louisville. You got to say like Louisville. Louisville. No, it's, no, it's like law it's, yourself. It's Frankfurt. Oh, I've got, 
What? You just pulled me right into that. I did you suck just, you right into that one, didn't I? You did. I tell you, it's like landing a catfish out of the Ohio River. I just, uh, you know, which also goes past. I'd throw it back, though. Bit, but not. <laughs> it doesn't. I haven't, I haven't seen the hype this year on this uh, Kentucky Derby. I haven't seen a lot of hype on any particular horse besides Classic Empire, and that's only been over the last couple days. Yeah. So really doing yeah. some, you know, some last-minute homework, because I know you and I get together, we make our picks, but uh, and I don't have Larry Larson to advise me anymore, so I don't know. This is going to be a tough one. I guess he's the favorite. I guess Always Dreaming uh, is there, and McCracken. McCracken is, a, you know. In the top know, three. I, but I, I have to. You know, you're right. Now, come to think of it, leading up to this Kentucky Derby, there was, I mean, the last few years. There's no there story, been, or, you know. Exactly. Well, there, Some hot been, horse or whatever. A big, strong, yeah, a big, strong horse or something. Is, and, yeah, so many even. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, what's happened with parody in the NFL, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or where's, yeah. NASCAR, where's NASCAR going? So anyway, I, oh, I, my goodness, yeah. I looked. I looked at the names. Of course, I like betting on the names too. Those are a lot of fun. I do. I have and to say. I tell you, two of these I think are cousins of ours, Gervin <laughs> and Gormley. I know. I saw that too. I thought, <laughs> well, we've got to be related. But you cousin know, Gervin Gorm- and Uncle Gormley. I'm, I'm sure he's right out there. there. Yeah, <laughs> sitting around the, the country store talking. Yeah, you around know, the potbelly. You know, I, though I have to go with it with kind of the sentimental pick. Which is patch. I have to go. Oh, I think he's won about a hundred to one. Or yeah, he's way back there. <laughs> he's way back there. But you have to go. I mean, this is a you know. I was I I heard you know I heard this this you know this this name patch and I thought well that's an interesting name you know I was thinking and then you know he has one eye and and i and it's like oh that's terrible naming a horse you know that afterwards i mean you know that's what i assumed but then i started reading about it, it turned out his name was patch before he lost his eye huh. I mean, yeah i didn't know that i mean it's hmm. uh and and when you read about you know this sort of thing uh you know you think uh you think i know some of the listeners out there are probably thinking well it's a good thing they didn't name him Peg Leg or something. Before. Yeah, really? You know, yeah, it would have been. But, you know, you say a sentimental fa- favorite. Yeah, that's – now, I don't – I mean, you hadn't heard that yet. I think that if there had been a little bit longer, that story would have caught on. You know what? Yeah, I'm I didn't saying. hear that at all. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just heard it yesterday as I was driving. I was like, what is this? And I kind of caught the tail end. And I was hey. thinking, now that is really – that's different. But – yeah, it's impossible this year. It's it's, it's a tough one. It's open. Uh, did, hey, I, just quick question. You know, uh, several years ago, and you and I were down in Lexington, uh, talk. You know, uh, checking up on this and the, with the Beagle Live and everything. Had such an issue down there with uh, the loss of the of the foals. Remember when they went through all of that for mare reproductive loss mare, syndrome? Yeah, yeah. and yeah. that was that was uh, kind of an in and out. I mean, we haven't heard anything since about that. And that, did, did that all finally go back to the tent caterpillars? It, it did. You know, I, I keep saying I keep saying that uh, somebody needs to write a book about this. You're exactly right. Three hundred and well, I think the sum total may have been even over four hundred, but at least three hundred eighteen million something thereabouts uh, in losses. Because you know, the very quick story was, if you recall, and I didn't know this, that that in the horse breeding program, you know, horse breeding for thoroughbreds, it's all done naturally. But the owner of the of the stallion does not get paid until 
and what's it called? Live, it's live stand and and nurse. Uh, yeah, words, yeah, the, the, yeah. The and then it's over, and then, then it's delivered. Yeah, it's right. delivered. It stands as nurses. So I, right. that's then 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 the, the stallion owner gets the paycheck. Well, uh, you know these foals were dying within within the mares, and and it, it just it took a long time. Well, yes, it turned out eastern tent caterpillars, which if <laughs> you can, I finally did it, Ron. I I, I demonstrated the two step program. I mean, there, I have pictures and everything. I, I saw that. It. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Now you know it's not for every audience, and I do have a. You know, a there warning is, there. there is, yeah, there is a warning on it, too. There is, yeah. You, you, when you hit that warning sign, you may not want to read on. But uh, at any rate, yes, the hairs on eastern tent caterpillar can break off and can be consumed accidentally. I mean, the horses aren't eating the caterpillars. They're just picking up the hairs off of the, uh, you know, off of off of the pasture grasses. And that goes into the horse's uh, stomach and eventually gut lining. And then these hairs can penetrate the gut lining and carry two different types of bacterium that gets into the blood system and eventually attack the foal in some fashion. But that was worked out by entomologists and others at the University of Kentucky. And like I said, it was a heck of a, of a mystery solved. It would be a good book because starting out, if you remember, there are all kinds of speculations, you know, as what was going on. So I think the reason that has subsided is because in the thoroughbred industry, the recognition by the thoroughbred industry that there's a connection to these caterpillars that love cherry. And you and I know that a lot of black cherries were taken down around thoroughbred farms. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a less likelihood. And then, of course, if you, if you tackle these caterpillars early using Bacillus thuringiensis, Bt, naturally occurring bacterium, uh, you know, you can kill them before they gain enough size to present a problem. Uh, and the reason I mentioned BT is because, as you could guess, you know, it, uh, spraying around these uh, thoroughbred farms, they really are very careful about that. So <clears throat> they try not to do a lot of things like that with standard insecticides. So there you go. You so back, back story. There you go. So your pick for the day is going to be. I'm going to go with Patch. I'm going to watch Patch. I understand he has web feet, too, so I think that'll help. Well, I think you're just, yeah, I think that's going to be unbelievable. I'm going to go with Cousin Gervin. Oh, Cousin Gervin. Yes, I should. But, you know, he's got that bum leg that he used to complain about, right? But we'll see. I think Gervin and Gormley will be side by side as they come across the line. They'll be swapping stories. (laughs) I know. That's exactly right. (laughs) Thanks, Joe. Always a pleasure. My pleasure to be, Ron. You take care. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks to all our callers. Thanks, of course, to all our sponsors. Thanks, of course, to our producers, Frank and Aaron, because without Frank and Aaron, none of this stuff would have happened today. Now, do yourself a favor. Figure out where you're going to plant that tree and those pollinator plants and make it the absolute best weekend of your life. See ya. Gardening questions? Ron has the answers at 1-800-823-TALK. You're in the garden with Ron Wilson. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. 
That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchases, full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.